0: Welcome to The Ziggler Show, episode 447. To kick off the new year, I'm bringing you one of the most downloaded shows from our past with over 61,000 downloads. The title is Your Future, Your Success, Equals the Size of Your Hope. You Must Have More. That's the show we are going to take a look at again today for your listening, pleasure, and success.
1: Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm your host of The Ziggler Show, Kevin Miller. Fulfilling the request, we get to feature some of our most popular episodes. I've got a great one for you today. Anytime a show gets over 50,000 downloads, it's pretty significant. Uh, But we have some that eclipsed 60,000 downloads or more. And uh, we posted the following show in June of 2015. It's 13 minutes of Zig talking about one of his foundational, most beloved topics, hope. And following his message, I sat down with Tom Ziegler, Ziegler's CEO and Zig's son, to dig in further on how we can all literally increase the size of our hope. I mean, there's much debate regarding the issue of success and, and what is most important. Uh, and is it hope? Well, if it's not, it's at least sequentially first, you know, without hope, we either don't ever take action or we take weak action that does not produce success. So here you go. Starting your new year off with the first step in your quest for success. However you define it.
1: Now, what is Winning. Well, the reality is that all of us want basically the same thing. And I'll be talking about this a whole lot. Everybody wants to be happy. I've never yet met anybody who said, no, I want to be miserable. Everybody wants to be healthy. Everybody wants to be at least reasonably prosperous. And I know many of you want to be uh, unreasonably prosperous. That's okay. I've had money and I haven't had it. And I'm here to tell you. It's better to have it, folks. There's just, you know, no question about it. Now, a lot of times, some of my Bible-reading friends will misquote the Bible and say, well, now, you know, Zig, the Bible says that uh, uh, money is the root of all evil, and obviously it does it." He said the love of money is the root of all evil. Christ himself, two-thirds of the parables he taught had to do with our physical and financial well-being. Two-thirds of the success stories there had to do with that subject. There's a lot more talk about success in the Bible than there is heaven. Good Samaritan never could have put that old boy up at the end after he'd been mugged if he hadn't had some money to do it with. Now, all of that said, yes, everybody, uh, you know, is interested in money. Everybody wants to be secure. They want to have friends, peace of mind. They want to have good family relationships, and they want to have hope that the future is going to be even better. Now, I'd like for you to kind of go with me on this. What part does hope play in all of this? I believe it's the basis of everything. You see, John Maxwell says if there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. Answer these questions as you listen to this tape. How happy can you be if you had no hope? How healthy would you be if you had no hope? How prosperous could you be if you had no hope? How secure are you with no hope? How many friends would you be able to accumulate if you're the kind of person who's just always moping and groping and griping and complaining? You know How much peace of mind is there and how would your family relationships be? I think hope is the key to an awful lot of things. Let me emphasize a point. I will never tell you that acquiring these things is going to be easy. I know that life is tough. But I also know that when you're tough on yourself, uh, that uh, life can be tremendously rewarding to you. When you discipline yourself to do the things you need to do, when you need to do them, the day is going to come you can do the things you want to do when you want to do them. But my friends, the road to the top goes through lots of valleys. You do not develop champions on a feather bed, there's got to be those trials and difficulties in order for you to develop the muscles and the qualities that's going to make such a difference in your life. Some of the things I will be saying over and over is you do have to be before you can do. you got to do before you can have. Some years ago, I was coming in on a plane, which is generally the way I fly. <laughs> And I was seated next to an old boy, couldn't help but notice he had his wedding band on the index finger of his left hand. A little unusual. I commented on it. I said, friend, you got your wedding band on the wrong finger. He said, yeah, I married the wrong woman. (laughs) Well, I don't know if he married the wrong woman or not. I'm delighted to be able to say I did not marry the wrong woman. Last November, the redhead and I... Now, when I talk about my wife, at her suggestion, I always call her the redhead. When I'm talking to her, it's sugar baby. Uh, her name uh, is Jean. And incidentally, she's been inducted into the MasterCard Hall of Fame. And she is so excited. She made the all-mall team at Prestonwood Shopping Center eight years in a row. And uh, last year, last year, uh, she was MVP, Most Valuable Purchaser. Now, incidentally, uh, her name is Jean. A lot of times, uh, when I'm talking to her, I always call her sugar baby. A lot of times people say to me, does uh, your wife know you say all of those things about her? I said, Chuck, she helps me write the material. (laughs) Now, let me point something out. She never gets offended. If she did, I would not say it. But the reason she doesn't get offended is she knows my heart. You see, we'd been married over 27 years before I was ever able to give her even financial stability, much less financial security. And yet, during all of those years, not once, do I ever remember her saying, Honey, if we just had more money, here's what we could do. Or if we had more financial stability, here's what we could do. See, there was one five-year stretch when I was in 17 different deals, and that's all they were, just deals, But during all those years, he would always say, honey, tomorrow's going to be better. You can do it. Then the two things that meant the most to me, I love you and I believe in you. I cannot begin to tell you what it meant to me to have a cheerleader cheering for me every day of my life and praying for me every night of my life. I can tell you without any reservation, no fear of error, that had it not been for her, I would not be talking to you on this recording right now. That encouragement and support meant it all. She knows, and I know about her. First of all, half the money is hers. The only time she goes berserk is when she's shopping for the grandchildren. And had we known grandchildren were going to be so much fun, we certainly would have been nicer to their parents. But anyhow, (laughs) she knows that I delight in seeing her go shopping because she's very responsible. And it's a delight to be able to have her do that because for so long she could not. No, she does not get the least bit upset about the fact that I tease about that. Last November, as I said, we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. Now, we've been married 48 years but we had heard so much about the 50th, we just decided to, you know, go ahead and celebrate early. And I'm here to tell you that uh, that really is uh, some more celebration. Folks, one of the reasons I believe I'm qualified to make suggestions that make a difference in your life is, you see, i walked in your shoes. Today I was reminiscing in my own mind and thinking about something the redhead bought three $20 bills downstairs that I had inadvertently left upstairs. And it reminded me when I was a young salesman in Lancaster, South Carolina, when we're having such a struggle, I've had my lights turned off. I've had my telephone disconnected. I had to turn a car back in, uh, but I didn't want to turn back in. My first baby was born. The hospital bill was $64. I didn't have $64. I had to get out and make two sales in order to get my own baby out of the hospital. <laughs> now, so vividly remember one day as I was struggling with how do I eat and how do we put gasoline in the car to go make the sales calls, and I was kind of going through some of my drawers there at home, and there was two $20 bills and a $10 bill. It looked like all the money in the world. Uh, I've been confused many times in my life. I didn't know what I'd be doing tomorrow much less next week, next month, or five years down the path. I don't believe there's anybody who will ever listen to this recording who has ever been as despondent on occasion in those early years and is puzzled and is curious. What do I do? Why can't I make things happen? I've been down that route. And yes, I've hurt as much as anybody here, I believe. On May 13th of 1995, my oldest daughter... Went home to be with the Lord. I know what it is to feel pain. I've felt your feelings. I've walked in your shoes. I know what does work. I know what does not work. That's the reason I believe hope is such an important ingredient. John Maxwell put it well. If there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. John Johnson put it this way. It's not the color of your skin. It's not the place of your birth. It's the size of your hope that's going to determine where you're going to go in your life. John Johnson was born in a shotgun house with a tin roof in Arkansas City, Arkansas. For those of you who don't know what a shotgun house is, let me simply tell you, it's a house with a roof on it. And you're so named because you could point a shotgun and fire it through that house and wouldn't hit anything at all because it's just a shell Today, John lives next door to Bob Hope part of the time. He lives in a high rise on the Gold Coast overlooking Lake Michigan the rest of the time. He's been a guest in the White House with every president since Eisenhower, one of the 400 wealthiest people in America. Owns his own insurance company, own cosmetic company, Ebony Magazine. And when he says, it's not the place of your birth or the color of your skin, it's the size of the Hope, I take him very seriously because I do believe he knows what he is talking about. How do you get all of the things? What's involved? If an individual really wants to be happy and healthy and prosperous and secure and have friends, peace of mind, good family relationships and hope, let me tell you that you've got to deal with all facets of life. And that's what we'll be doing in this series. You've got to deal with your personal life, your family life and your career. You cannot separate them. The January 8th, 1990 issue of USA Today said the number one cause of a productivity decline in America today is marital difficulty at home. You can't have a knockdown drag out at home and go to the job and be as productive as you otherwise would be. You cannot get fired or chewed out by the boss on the job and go home with the same attitude as you'd have if you had just been given a significant raise or recognition. You cannot separate all of these things. I will attempt throughout this series to make one thing crystal clear, and that's this. If you go for quality of life first, invariably standard of living goes up. But if you just go for standard of living, there's no assurance that quality of life is going to go up. We will deal with all three of these. The principle we're going to be teaching through this series are the principle that made our country great. Did you ever wonder why it is that in 1776, three million Americans produced Washington and Hamilton and Jefferson and Madison and Monroe and Franklin and Washington and the whole bit? And why it is in 1995... 265 million Americans produced. I'll let you fill in the blanks as you sit there (laughs) listening to this. I don't believe you can name one person with the statue of the individuals I have just named. Let me ask you, could it be what they were taught? As you reflect on it, Do you believe that what you teach has anything to do with what you believe? And what you believe has anything to do with what you do? And what you do has anything to do with what you have? Well, let me tell you what they were taught. According to the Thomas Jefferson Research Institute in the 1770s, over 90% of all of the educational thrust was of a moral, ethical, faith basis. Solid foundation stuff. That's the reason we produced all of the people we did in that period of our history. So many times people think, well, I'm just a, and then they say an accountant or a bookkeeper or a salesperson or a household executive or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. What can I do? Let me read something to you which I think has genuine significance. I precede by saying, again, yes, you were designed for accomplishment. You're engineered for success. You're endowed with the seeds of greatness. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You literally were born to win, but it takes a plan.
0: I want to thank Blue Apron for their support of this episode. I love cooking food, and in my family, when we have a full-on home-cooked sit-down meal It is a glorious time. We do it literally every night of the week. I mean, cooking together, sitting around the table are the things that build strong family bonds. So to all the food and family lovers in the Ziegler Show audience, and I mean, you know, people who truly like great tasting, wholesome food, welcome to Blue Apron because that's exactly what they provide. To get a personal endorsement from me, they have sent big boxes of their food and I've gotten to cook great meals, which of course I love to do, but they make. It so quick and easy by sending fresh, high-quality ingredients to prepare incredible recipes. You get pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals, step-by-step directions, and even pictures. So for less than ten bucks per meal, Blue Apron sets the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. So whether it's Japanese ramen noodles or wild-caught Alaskan salmon or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. Some of the meals available in January are seared pork chops with farro and cranberry chutney, spaghetti squash and marinara with mushrooms and garlic knots, spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and furikake. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Ziggler. Again, that's blueapron.com slash Ziggler ziggler a blue apron is just a better way to cook all right as i said in all the shows i've done now i took more notes in this one than ever i won't say it's zig's best message but it hit my chords for sure he got real with us really real so right off he asked what is winning for most, they want to be number one, happy, number two, healthy, number three, reasonably prosperous. And in a classic Zig stance, he stated that Christ put a significant focus in his teachings on physical and financial well being and uh, qualified it by saying that the Bible most assuredly did not say money was the root of all evil, but the love of money was was the root of all evil. But Tom, I mean, this is honestly not necessarily the, fo- the pure focus of today's show, but it's one that raises my ire. And since I get to host this show, um, I get to go off on a tangent with you. So here we go. I, I'm going to wade into a little bit of murky waters on this one just real quick. Uh, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it, but my fellow Christian brethren are so often the most money-loving people I've ever met. They don't love it in an exorbitant, uh, big spending way. They love it in a devotion to remaining safe and secure, not jeopardizing the norm in their comfort sort of way. I mean, Jesus also talked about those who nicely gave from their abundance while he gave kudos, of course, to the widow who gave everything. So Tom, uh, Zig and now you make decisions daily in your work that can make or break everything often. I mean, you're devoted to doing what is right and best for others, even if it jeopardizes the present comfort. So my question to you, Tom, is how do you see people's devotion to keeping things secure rob them of greatness? Oh, my gosh, Kevin. I tell you, the, I,
2: I came up with a, a quote today. It was, and so I went to see if it was really mine, and I think it was. So it's going to be tweeted out very soon. But I, I said this. Until you let go of the status quo, you can never achieve greatness. Excellent. And it's like whether it's in the church or whether it's in people who are just comfortable, they're just addicted to the status quo. I remember in my early business career here at Ziegler after I'd been the president for only you know maybe less than a year. So this is 20 years ago. At that time, a big portion of our revenue was working with a specific promoter and that promoter had done something uh, that wasn't you know, ethically right or wrong, but it was something that dad just felt compelled that he couldn't be a part of. Hmm. So he came in uh, to myself and my brother-in-law at the time, who was the VP, and he said, hey, guys, I'm no longer going to be speaking on that platform. And Kevin, literally 40% of the gross revenue of our, of our company left that day. Wow. And this is bottom line honorarium type revenue. Yeah. And dad looked at us and he said, this is the right thing to do because of his conviction. So he never, and I never witnessed him once back off from, should I, should I do what status quo or should I do what's right? And if what's right makes me uncomfortable, then so be it. Because I know that the comfort over there is going to be far worse than whatever the opportunity over here that's going to be created by that. So I've seen that happen. And and when I go out and speak and we do events, that's one of the common threads of people will say they'll raise their hand and they'll say, you know, things are pretty good. I've been doing the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, but do you automatically wake up at four in the morning because you can't wait to start? Mm -hmm. And they, and, and they they can't say that, right? So they're addicted to that status quo, that comfort zone. Man, we got to be in the life changing business. We this is a great adventure. I mean, nobody's going to sit back and die and say, "Man, I sure am glad that I ate average food on an average day all the time." Right? It's the it's it's the journey that we go on, and the people that we meet, and the and the things that we overcome that that allow that greatness to happen. And so we've we've got a that old question of. It's good keeping you from being great. I, I, uh, think, I think it's true in so many cases.
0: Man, a- absolutely. I, yeah, I don't know where it was that what got to be responsible was devoting yourself to covering your own butt. Uh, it's not what we watch movies about, you know. I got to hand it to my wife. She, a couple years ago, and you know, we've got seven kids. I mean, right now, we've got all of them home, my two oldest that were gone, like just like your daughter, who we talked to a minute ago, uh, is back home for the summer. So I got a house of nine again, and we just took – Uh, just a sweet, sweet girl who's a a friend. Long story there, her young girl and her two-year-old boy are now living with us. And sometimes I'll look at that and go, oh my, oh my goodness. Uh, It's more than my mortgage just to pay for our our food. And God bless my wife. She said, well, is our goal to, you know, die with a fat bank account? What if we die with debt, Kevin? Who are we taking care of? Who are we mattering to? And I, you know, I don't want to die in debt, but you get the point. I love that she pushes me on in that. And I don't see enough of that in our culture. Well, you know, so on that Zig said, most all of us are striving for abundance of money, friends, peace of mind, good family relationships, and hope that the future will be even better. And he asked, what part does hope play in all this? Followed by him saying, I believe it's the basis of everything. I mean, again, for him to put so much focus on that. So he quoted John Maxwell, and Tom, you've heard this one. I I mean, he says it a lot, uh, quotes this a lot. If there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. I I just felt like that's one to write up and and think about it. There's hope in the future, there's power in the present. So I'm going to ask everyone listening, if you're staring at the face of little power, purpose, meaning joy in the present, is it possibly because you have lost hope In the future, you just don't see much to look forward to. So Zig said to answer these questions, how happy can you be if you have no hope? How healthy can you be if you have no hope? How prosperous can you be if you have no hope? How secure can you be if you have no hope? How many friends can you accumulate if you're the kind of person who's always moping and groping and griping and complaining? How much peace of mind is there and how are your family relationships if you have no hope? And if you don't initially think this is you, I'm going to ask you to stop a moment. I mean, if your friends and family were interviewed, and this is a game I play with myself a lot, uh, Tom, you know, like, if, what if I was being interviewed right now? Or what if somebody was asked about me? And if they ask, if, if you're a hopeful person, how would the answers be? What is it that people who know you uh, would say you tangibly have great hope in? I mean, that's worth stewing on a little bit and, and getting real with yourself. I mean, Tom, as you know, and I often reference, I devoted the past seven years of my vocational work to helping people pursue self-employment. And what I found out, and it'll be a primary basis of a a book at some point, uh, is that self-employment is just a vehicle for people to better their lives like so many other things. And the reason they fail is not due to bad business ideas or plans. It's primarily due to a lack of clear motive, belief, and, again, hope. Do we even know what hope actually means? So as a guy who loves words, I had to look up the definition, of course. So hope, here's the definition, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Emphasis on certain for me, but certain thing to happen. I love that, Tom. I mean, doesn't that bring us right around to goals? I mean, the definition doesn't say vaguely a desire for good things to happen. It says certain things to happen. So, Tom, would you say that many, probably a majority of people who would say, oh, yeah, I have hope. What hope they have is pretty vague and vanilla and not tangible. And if their hope, as the definition says, isn't certain and specific, then there's no way they've done the work to clarify a viable plan to get them anywhere. (laughs) Kevin, I love
2: that. You know, dad had a quote. It said this. It said, if you aim at nothing. You'll hit it every time, yeah. right? And so when somebody has a vague hope, uh, there's no compelling reason to take action. In the last week, I kid you not, I've had conversations with four or five different people on this concept. And some of the conversations were around, you know, what is it that allows some people to overcome incredible odds while other people cave. And I read a book when I was uh, younger, and it was it was like incredible survival stories. And it was people who had been shipwrecked and marooned and castaways, plane crashes. I mean, people who were basically floating in a raft on the ocean by themselves, middle of nowhere, and they made it. Yeah. And when they went into the diaries and they started chronicling the people who were shipwrecked and made it versus the ones who didn't, there was no physiological reason why those who lived lived and those who died died and in fact it didn't have anything to do with the health condition they were in or how big they were or even their survival skills bottom line in most cases the ones who lived never gave up hope they were certain they were going to be rescued at any minute and oh my and they were any minute just getting stretched out hey I'm going to go one more day I'm going to go one more hour And there was this one case I remember where this guy was in a raft by himself and he diaried everything that he ate. You know, day seven, a fish jumped into the raft. Day 12, a bird landed on that corner of the raft and he grabbed it and he was able to pull the head off of it and eat it. You know, day 14, he got a big rain and he filled up his water reservoir. And when they rescued him, he'd lost all this weight. They couldn't believe he was alive. They went through the diary. They estimated the amount of calories that he had consumed. And it was literally to the number, the minimum amount of calories that somebody in that situation would need to just barely get by. Wow! But he did. And there are other cases of healthy people who are in this situation, and they give up and die, and there and the rescue boat comes the next day, and they were in far better position. So hope is everything, but it ha- I agree it has to be about a certain thing. So when I tell people to clarify your dreams and goals. It's not about, hey, I want to do great things someday. I mean, that's awesome. What great thing do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Write that down. How do I become the person who can do that great thing? How do I become that person? What character qualities do I need to have? What information and knowledge do I need to gather? Who do I need to associate with in order for me to become that great person? When you become that great person along that way, then that great
0: person that you become will
2: do great things.
0: Before we continue, I want to thank Zip Recruiter for sponsoring this episode of The Ziegler Show. We have a lot of business owners in the Ziegler audience. And if you own or run a business, you have to hire and find quality team members. So do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. I know I've gone through that hassle. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in The ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, Ziggler listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. That's ziprecruitercom com slash free trial. Okay. So I, I want to pull this out, Tom. I mean, what we're saying, what this show is about, what the essence of Zig's message was and what we're talking about and keep coming back around to. So folks, if you quit listening now, the primary, a primary, and again, everybody wants to say they've got the thing. So it's, it's hard for me to do that, but my gosh, how can we get past a primary ingredient for success? that that overcomes yeah the just as you said uh, the you know the physical aspects how brilliant you are your iq your circumstances everything is hope so you've got to we all have if we want more success we have to increase and establish our hope increase and establish our hope that is the point here if you get nothing else out of it that is this show increasing and insta- and establishing your hope is such a dramatic key. So I'm going to talk about this microwave society that we all know that we're in. We joke about it, but we do get focused on immediate gratification. I do that. I have a computer that's on you know, fiber, and when it takes more than three seconds to load, you know, the hair stands up on the back of my neck. It's ridiculous. I mean, it flies in the face of the true success we all long for and revere. So Zig said, when you discipline yourself to do the things you need to do, when you need to do them, the day is going to come when you can do the things you want to do when you want to do them. I mean, who doesn't want to be the person who has earned that kind of freedom? And, I, and I'll pull out earned it. I mean, we'd all rather hustle and make millions than win millions in the lottery. We all understand that type of fulfillment. So, again, I'm, i I've failed – Tom, uh, you know, some of my story, I, I failed more than I think the average guy has. And I have the scars, uh, to prove for it for better or worse. I'm grateful for redemption, but I can't say that I'm a guy with no regrets at all. Uh, but I, I also have some admittedly enviable realities in my life. And, and I often have people, especially guys say, man, I wish I could do or have that. But then I see, there's no way they'd go to the effort and risk and trial that I have. And I, I just surely I don't say that to brag. It's just, I mean, we can all relate. There's some areas in our life where we have a success that other people would like to have and we can readily recognize that they aren't ready or willing to make the sacrifices uh, or assert the discipline that we have in order to have that area of success. So that goes right into Zig's next statement in the message we just heard that said the road to the top goes through lots of valleys. You don't develop champions on a feather bed. There's got to be trials and difficulties in order for you to develop the muscles and qualities. that's going to make a difference in your life. I love that. I mean, you don't develop champions on a feather bed. Does that resonate with anyone else? I mean, I, I want that t-shirt I mean, that lights a fire under me, Tom. I was listening to this last two nights. I've been, you know, looking over this message that lights a fire under me, makes me want to shun my pansy comforts and get some true grit, you know? And so on that note, I'm going to make some insertions in one of your favorite quotes, Tom, you and your dad, both. Uh, it's such a profound saying that Zig cited again in this message. You have to be, and I'm going to put in there the right person before you can do the right things. You've got to do the right things before you can have, you know, and have what you believe to be right and true and worthwhile. So Zig goes on to say he was married 27 years Before he was able to give his wife financial stability and security. Uh, Tom, that's, uh, you know, I, my dad, I think would relate to that a lot. Um, He put my mom through a lot. Uh, you know, Zig says he had his lights turned off, telephone disconnected. He had to turn a car back in. And this was after a childhood that led him to having to go to work at, at what was it, age five to help support his family? I mean, folks, possibly my favorite book. Here's my testimony. My favorite Zig book is The Autobiography of Ziggler, which you can go get at Ziggler.com. Okay, it's Zig's Autobiography. See you at the top. You know, love it. All the books. I've got them. I've read them. I love them. The one that impacted me, The Autobiography of Zig Ziegler. It tells the reality of his life. It wasn't pretty. Uh, but it's why he was able to say in this clip to stand up and confidently say, I'm qualified to speak into your lives because I've walked in your shoes. So, Tom, a movie I really appreciate is called, and I, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody else talk about it other than Gary Barclow. Uh He's the one that introduced me to, to it. Uh, the Music Within. OK, it's uh, it's an interesting film, the music within and in it, a teacher charges a brilliant student to shelve his brilliance. He was a brilliant presenter. And he said, go out and live life and earn an opinion. So, Tom, I believe many people listening have put in a lot of listeners. You folks listening right now. You've put in a lot of hard work. You've fought battles. You've overcome things that have swallowed other people. Uh, You've, in fact, earned some opinions, and it's high time you stood up and led others in what you've learned. So, Tom, what are some tipping points you've seen people experience that finally got them to stand up and serve and lead others in a big way?
2: You know, the the tipping points usually occur one of, of two ways. One is they're all of a sudden put in a situation where they've got to provide something for somebody they love that's beyond whatever financial capability they ever dreamed of, but there is no option. Huh. I give the story of my uncle, Uncle Bernie. He He's an adopted uncle. And in the books at the top, there's the David Lofchick story, Bernie Lofchick, that's his dad. And his son was diagnosed at a very, like as a baby, with several palsy. Hmm. And back then, uh, the diagnosis, he went to like five or six different doctors, and they all said, hey, he's going to be a vegetable. Uncle Bernie wouldn't live with that. And he kept going to doctor after doctor after doctor until he found one who said, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, there's going to be tears, it's going to be very trying as a parent to have your child do all these things, but as long as you do these things, there's a chance that he could grow up and have a semi-normal life. Well, he was the first several policy person to ever get a normal life insurance policy in Canada. He was a ping pong champion. He ice skated on the hockey team. I mean, he did things that never happened before. But because Uncle Bernie had this compelling thing to give this to his son, he had to financially be able to provide for that. And so every single day in his business life, he was being creative. He was trying to figure out how can I take care of my son's needs. Mm -hmm. And out of that, he became a very, very wealthy and successful person. And so I think the first tipping point in some people's lives is there's somebody they love that they care about. They're just not going to stand for it. They're going to raise up, and they're going to win the fight, right? The second thing is kind of an internal self-realization where they say, wait a second. I was put on this earth for a reason, and they start having this hope that, wait a second. If there's a reason for me to be on this earth, what's keeping me from doing it? And then they buy into the idea that the only thing standing between them and what they want is a 100% commitment to the discipline to making it happen, right? Because the the compelling why is so great. Why? Because I want to change lives. Why? I want to grow this company. Why? I want to do this great thing because this is my purpose in life. And it doesn't matter what background somebody comes out of. When they see this thing that's drawing them into it, Right, this thing that they're made for. Then they're able to put this principle in practice. I love this. Here's the principle. And it's the quote that I love. I, I need to find out. Maybe if one of our, our listeners would send in who said this quote, because I need the name who said this. Here's the quote. You cannot determine your future, but you can determine your habits, and your habits will determine your future. Nice. Right? See, at the end of the day, when when we look at we, see, hope is born when we realize we have the power to do something, Yeah, right, which all of us do. We could all do something to make our lives better. Well, when you take that thought one step further and say, hey, I'm going to do something. I'm going to build a habit that builds my future, you see, because the habits change everything. And so when you go and study successful people, one of the habits they all have is they tend to get up early and they spend one to two hours a day in quiet time and reading and research and being creative and thinking about the future and the things they want to accomplish. In fact, the more money they make, the more time they spend doing this. And when you compare that to the average person out there who's got that J-O-B kind of just, you know, struggling to get through, they don't have time for that. Well, yeah, they do. Both sides got 24 hours a day. The question is, is do you give up TV and go to bed at 10 at night instead of 12? So you can get up at five instead of seven and make that difference. That's the tipping point. The tipping point is when you come to that realization, wait, I was created for something better than this. I'm going to create the habit that allows me to achieve that.
0: Gosh, I love that. Yeah. when You, you said when we realize we have the power to do something and so many people feel powerless and you know i can raise my hand i've gone through some of those times and i think you know we always do it's it's why we do our daily motivating uh, because we are we're human we are human and we're we're not superman uh superwoman we are human we got to do it i, I want to mention something uh that you said about listeners uh you know if they knew that quote we're to start asking questions for this show start doing some different types of shows too uh, but start asking some questions on Facebook. If you're not on our Ziggler Facebook page as a fan, we're going to start posting some questions once a week and uh, getting your feedback and talking about your questions, your ideas, your input in regards to these messages right here on the show. Kevin, I,
2: I want to jump in real quick. Yeah. This is just kind of a, a thing that popped into my mind. I was interviewing Andy Andrews on one of our webcasts one time and, at the end, we took questions and answers, and this guy wrote in, and he said, because Andy was talking about this subject, and he said, Andy, you know, I'm not going to tell you my whole story, but basically, this guy had been beat down. He was in the later part of his life. He was destitute, and he said, you know, where's my hope? Do I still have a purpose? And Andy answered him very succinctly. He said, if you are still alive, you have not fulfilled your purpose. And to me, that's like a hope bomb right there. I mean, that is like if you're out there and you're struggling and you're like, what is my purpose? Why am I doing this? If you're still alive, that simply means you have not fulfilled your purpose. How cool is that? Everybody listening has a
0: purpose unfulfilled. Find it. Go for it. That's heavy. (laughs) Incredibly, incredibly heavy. All right. As Zig shared. And I led the show off with John Johnson said, it's the size of your hope that's going to determine how far you'll go in your life. What is the size of your hope? If you died today, what would others testify? What is the size of your hope? Honestly, Tom, this could be a campaign. I mean, I recently asked people to download and start reciting Zig's self-talk cards daily. But what about putting a sign on your bathroom mirror, then your car dashboard and your work computer that boldly ask us all daily, what is the size of our hope? We could stop there. Maybe we we should. But Tom, is this not where the fuel of life resides? How would you rank it?
2: I tell you what, you know, hope, uh, hope is so powerful. I think I think the quote is hope is the fuel upon which. You now, maybe attitude or motivation or passion or desire is the hope on, is the fuel upon which hope runs. So hope, you know it's, it's our vehicle. It's, it's the thing that takes us where we're going. And when we get you know it's, it's like this I, I give this this illustration, and it's, if we had this amazing smartphone with every song in the world that we ever wanted, and, and it's right there at our fingertips. And then somebody came up to us with a new version of this, so, this smartphone, and they said, they said Kevin, this, this phone is even cooler. You, you just put the earphones on, and it can read your brainwaves, and it can automatically start playing for you exactly the song that you want to hear. I want that. Right? You want that. We all want that, right? It just knows. And then they said, but it's not going to be ready for a week. And then somebody takes your old smartphone and steals it. I mean, that would be devastating except for one thing. In less than a week, you're going to have the ultimate thing right in front of you, right? Uh-huh. And that's the hope that I have, right? As a believer, that's the hope that I have. It's like everything I could ever want is in the future. It's ready for me. And what I've got to do now is make the most of this life. So when when the hard things in life come and when the trials and tribulations come, I get to step back and say, you know what? Life is not fair I don't really like going through this, but you know what? I know I'm learning something here. What is it? What is it I'm supposed to be learning? And how is this? You know, Fred Smith, dad's mentor, mentor said this. He said, the, the the food that you grow in the valley is what you're going to eat on the mountaintop. And in life, what that means is, is when we're getting pummeled by life and all these things are going on, we're growing this food, right? We're, we're learning perseverance and patience and all these things. And then when life starts to go well, we remember that because on the mountaintop, that's when it tastes the sweetest. So for those who are struggling right now, step back for a second and say, this hope, you know, this vision that I have, the reason I keep putting one foot in front of the other, that's where I'm going to. And what I'm going through right now? That's going to help me be more successful when I get there.
0: Okay, perfect lead-in to our last last question I want to throw out here to you. Uh, so to increase hope, I'll speak personally. As a guy who has benefited from counseling and had to learn, you got to look back at where you've come in order to see where you can go. Uh, I'm going to ask, what has eroded your hope? Those who are listening, what has eroded your hope? Zig said in the message we listened to, you've got to deal equally with your personal life, family life, and career you can't separate them and so a point to consider is have you gotten lopsided in your life and lost hope in the big picture i'm not talking necessarily about balance but just the big picture so zig also said trial is what strengthens you or defeats you but what about the lack of trial tom i'm seeing more and more people fall into this kind of back to our comfort focus it, it, just suffering from a lack of trial what does that result in? So Donald Miller is one of my favorite authors. He wrote the book A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. I've probably given away, I think, two cases at least of that book. And he, in that, sums it up and says a good story, the one we want to go see a movie, uh, see at the movies, the one that, that lifts us. A good story is made up of a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. And I see more and more people who just don't want anything significant. But not all of you listening are in that boat. There are lots of shows to listen to. This show is founded upon the belief that there is more of you to offer. That's the Ziegler message. You are more than what you or anyone has experienced yet. You haven't scratched the surface. I mean, folks, this is why you're listening. I mean, I want you to hear me on this. You're listening because you know it deep inside, you know, you have more to offer and you desperately want to offer it. That's why we're all here together. All right. We're here together. We're going to do it. Tom, will you end us with a word from your dad and your own word? Well, Kevin, you know, you, you kind of
2: prompted me on this and, and I was thinking of this as well. And I just love dad's quote. Uh, It's on our board. It's actually right in our training room that he said this. And and it's such a thing that you can, when you say it out loud, your chin comes up, your chest sticks out. And that says you were designed for accomplishment, engineered for success, endowed with the seeds of greatness. Man, that is so powerful. I mean, that's who we are. And there's, you know, I love... I love the whole concept of the story that we tell ourselves, because people have settled. Right, they're in the status quo. They don't believe that. They don't believe they're worth anything, and that's why I believe uh, this very specifically. I was designed for accomplishment, engineered for success, endowed with the seeds of greatness, fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, when I when I think about that, when Dad looked at me and said, "Son, you are born to win." I mean, you you can't help but just rise up. You know, you can't help but say, yes, I want that. But so many people, they've been told a different message. And so what I would say to you, my own word is this, and that is you have to change your input, right? People who feel that way, it's because all the inputs they've ever gotten have told them so. Right. Oh, you're nothing. You know, nobody in our family ever accomplishes anything. You'll never amount to nothing. Right. Oh, don't try for that. It's not going to work out. Why would you expect that? You know, why are you getting there early? We're not going to get a good seat anyway. I mean, come on, let's just park over here. There's not going to be a space at the front of the mall. I mean, whatever the situation is, people's internal self-talk determines the way they live their life. But you know what? You can change that. You can change your self-talk by changing the input that goes in. So why not, like you said earlier, why not put these positive affirmations on your mirror, on the dashboard of your car, on on the card, the self-talk card? Why not do that? Here's the quote. What you feed your mind determines your appetite. That's one of my quotes. I love it. And it's so true. Whatever you put into your mind is going to determine what you want and who you will become. And until you put the right things in, you're gonna have the difficult challenge of ever coming, becoming the right kind of person.